Hi, I'm Sarah Trott, and welcome to the Fourth Trimester Podcast. I'm a new mama, and this podcast is all about postpartum care for the first few months following birth, the time period also known as the fourth trimester. My postpartum doula, Esther Gallagher, is my co-host. She's a mother, grandmother, perinatal educator, birth and postpartum care provider. Fourth trimester care, our topic, is about the practical, emotional, and social support parents and baby require. And importantly, it helps set the tone for the continuing journey of parenting. Hey everybody, this is Sarah Trott from the Fourth Trimester Podcast, and before we kick off this episode, I wanted to share with you something that's a little bit special for this episode. We joined up with the guest from this show, Kelly Garza, to offer all of our listeners a little bit of a perk. So here it is. After listening to the show and hearing more information, we highly encourage you to go to Kelly's website, which is steamychick.com, and you can use coupon code fourth trimester, all one word, fourth trimester to benefit from free shipping, a $40 value, which is something she's got on offer for everyone at the moment, but I don't know how long that will last. Um, But plus another $20 off the vaginal steam sauna package and also $20 off an e-course called postpartum parasteam care, how to use vaginal steaming for full recovery after birth. You can find links to these things and the coupon code on the website, fourth trimester podcast.com. So please take advantage. We'd love for all of our listeners to benefit from this exclusive offer. And without further ado, on to the show. Thank you. Hi, this is Sarah Trott. Welcome back to the Fourth Trimester Podcast. Today we have a guest, Kelly Garza, with us. And I'll introduce her in a moment. Esther Gallagher is also on the podcast with us today. So it's a full house. Hooray. <laughs> As a reminder, the fourth trimester podcast.com website is where you need to go to find all of our social pages. You can click through from there onto our Facebook and our Twitter and our other social accounts, Pinterest, Instagram. You can also sign up for our newsletter by going to the top of the page. There's a, a button for newsletter. Please do sign up if you haven't done so already. And there's also a link for you to join us as sponsors through patreon.com. If you think that you have it in your heart to just sponsor us, please do. Um, It would go a long way. We want to get some better recording equipment. Today, we have an awesome topic. It's something I didn't know a lot about. Esther, I'm sure you knew all about it. But the topic is vaginal steaming. And we have Kelly Garza here today. Uh, who's an expert in this area. She holds a master's degree in international development and she graduated cum laude. She is a social science researcher by academic training and she spent the past several years doing women's health research and has founded a new field of discipline called peristeam hydrotherapy. So um, I think that's just another way of saying vaginal steaming. <laughs> you can set me straight on that, Kelly. Um, yeah. Having recorded, yeah, okay, perfect. <laughs> Having recorded over 700 Parasteam case studies, she holds the only known research database of its kind. She's worked to develop vaginal steam treatment protocols, which are now becoming the industry standard. Her approach is unique in that she tailors the treatment based on different menstrual patterns, and she works with an oriental medicine doctor who prescribes specific herbs in the formulas. At Steamy Chick, Kelly oversees all operations and instructs online e-courses. And steamychick.com is her website, so you can go there and um, read more about all of that. But Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so honored to have you. Thank you so much for having me. 
we here at the fourth trimester podcast would love to hear your experiences with your own fourth trimester. Sure, sure. Okay, well, I got pregnant with my first um, with my first daughter, Lotus, when I was um, 33. And at the time, I had been um, using vaginal steaming for a couple of years um, at, at the end of my period. I'd heard that, you know, after your period is over, you do one vaginal steam and then um, and then that's it, you know. And so I had been using it like that for a couple of years. But when I was pregnant with Lotus, I was um, I was really focused on setting up a postpartum uh, plan for myself. And so, um, I was, you know, part of a Facebook group, of course, of expecting moms, <laughs> secret group. And, um, and I was actually, I did an unassisted birth. So this was a, a, a group of, of women who, who do, who were doing unassisted births. And so, um, one of them was from Ghana and she mentioned that, um, that in Ghana, they do 30 days of, of vaginal steaming after giving birth. And I was like, oh my gosh, vaginal steaming, you know, I do that. I have a vaginal steam sauna. So I decided that I would do 30 days of vaginal steaming um, as part of my postpartum plan. So I had that. And then I was also, I had, I had read a book called Sitting Moon. Have you heard of that book, Sarah? No, I'm, I'm fascinated to know more about it. Okay, so it's Sitting Moon, and it was it's by um, a, a tradition an acupuncturist named uh, Jessica Chen. I hope I'm getting it right. And she was writing all about the Taiwanese postpartum experience. And basically, in Taiwan, women look forward to their postpartum month because they are treated like queens. <laughs> okay, I love so that. <laughs> they have. The most advanced, probably postpartum protocol that I've ever heard of in the world. And okay, so now, how did I get this book? I got this book because I had, I was, I was going to an acupuncturist and this was before I was pregnant or interested in anything birth related. And, um, and my sister was pregnant a couple of years before, you know, before my first pregnancy. And I was like, do you have any books like for her during pregnancy? And they were like, no, they were like, but here's one about postpartum. I'm like, postpartum, that's already after like, who cares? You know, I really wasn't like, I didn't get it. <laughs> so, but since they didn't have any other books, I was like, okay, I, I guess I'll get that, you know, so I got that book and I gave it to my sister. Um, and so, um, and so, you know, she, and the book was all about how, um, the, you know, that women need, like the postpartum uh, month is a time, it's a golden opportunity, they consider it, for a woman's life, where she has a chance to completely um, change her course of health. She has a chance to completely reset, like, you know, her, her health and, um, and, and be incredibly healthy moving forward. And, um, in, according to traditional Chinese medicine, they, a lot of headaches, pains and prolapse and all kinds of women's, is women's issues. They actually, they actually relate it back to the woman not properly recovering postpartum. So proper postpartum recovery is huge in, in Chinese medicine. And specifically in Taiwan, they have this really great system where they have like these hotels that women go to. They're like these postpartum hotels and the women receive five meals per day that are prepared for them. And all they do is hang out in the, in the suite with the baby and, and nap all day long. There are night nurses that take care of the baby, you know, anytime there's naps so that the mom can get, she's supposed to get like 10 hours of sleep every night and nap during the day as well. <laughs> so like they just really have 
And, and the mother's not supposed to do any work. She's not su even supposed to, they barely even let her like, you know, be on her feet. You know, she can do stretching in bed and she could go to the bathroom and shower and all that. But for the most part, they just want her to be resting in bed this whole time. And they wait on her like she's a queen. And so that's what the book talks about. And now Jessica Chen grew up in the U.S. So she's like, uh, you know, she basically has kind of like a modified, you know, uh, rendition of this that she did for her own postpartum care. And so she, in the book, she has all of these, those, these postpartum meal plans, um, for how to do your postpartum, you know, uh, period. So, so anyhow, so when I was postpartum, I was like, okay, I definitely want to do all of those meal plans. And then I found out about the vaginal steaming. So I decided I would definitely do the vaginal steaming. And I invited my mother-in-law to come and stay with me. She, um, she wanted to, <laughs> she came to stay with us and she helped with the housework and with the cooking for that month. And, um, it was a really beautiful experience. Like I have to say, I felt healthier. I was also taking, um, so with the postpartum uh, meal plans, they had all these herbs that you could take as well. So I was taking a, a postpartum herbal formula um, that was made by an acupuncturist. And I, I felt better than I had ever felt in my whole life <laughs> during that postpartum period, just being cared for and, and being able to, you know, bond with the baby. So, um, so I did it. I did the 30 days of vaginal steaming and I did the 30 days of eating the postpartum meals. Some of them were, you know, pretty foreign like I was eating liver soup with goji berries in it <laughs> and all these other you know traditional meals but uh you know my breast milk was was pumping <laughs> I had so much breast milk my baby gained four pounds in the first month and she's only you know normal would be like one pound she gained four pounds it was crazy <laughs> so so it was a it was a it was a really interesting experience and um and ever since I've been very passionate about the fourth trimester and that women properly prepare for it because if you properly prepare for it um it will be so wonderful but what I see from so many of my other friends that go through the experience is that they're not prepared and they spend you know all of the time buying baby baby gear and very little money on the actual mom and her recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very little probably monetary investment, but also mental and emotional investment, you know, preparing oneself and actually thinking about what that will be like. Um, yeah. We spend a ton of time on this show talking about that that piece of it. It's like, oh, you think about your nursery and you think about all of these other things, but you know, and you think about the baby, which is yeah. like the right priority for sure. But also like the point that we like to make over and over is parents are much better suited to care for the baby if they themselves are taken care of. Absolutely. Absolutely. How are you going to take care of your baby and your uterus is falling out? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and yes. this, I, I feel like this is one of the reasons and you want to take care of your baby, but your breast milk hasn't come in, you know? And so the baby cries when you have a lot of breast milk, you have a baby that doesn't cry, you know, and, and getting, so with that, with that whole postpartum meal plan, the idea is that you give the mom herbs and, and the right soup as soon as possible after giving birth, you know, within an hour, because that brings her breast milk in. And, um, and I, I did find that to be, you know, something, um, you know, just one, one less thing to worry about for sure. And my baby, she never cried. And I, and I attribute it to the breast milk. So Kelly, um, I, I just want to interrupt for a moment and, and just say that, um, I, I, I think the, the Asian orientation towards postpartum care, and I've said this for four decades now, is 
much more informed and healthy and normalizing and appropriate to the kind of human condition when it comes to giving birth to our babies and how that works. Um, I want us to be careful on this podcast to about attributing things to things. It's normal and physiological that your breast milk is going to come in. Okay. Um, I think the, the wonderful soups and herbs are a wonderful support, but they don't cause things to happen or not happen. So um, I myself am continually recommending all of these things to, to my clients or any women that I come in contact with. Um, so I just, I just, I just want to be the person to say, like, I work in postpartum homes every day. That's what I do. And, and, um, I think it's really wonderful and awesome. And, you know, here we have these, these wonderful services now around us because we're lucky to live in the Bay area and have places where women who otherwise would not have the first clue how to prepare these very nourishing and supportive meals and um, other other supports, herbs, etc. can find access to these things. You're one of those resources, which is awesome. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to mention that, uh, you know, the body is hopefully prepared to do all these things and the body benefits deeply from these supports. I think that's very well said, Esther. And I always like to add kind of a practical layer on discussions like this. I've had with friends of mine um, and just, you know, people I've met preparing to have a baby, thinking about it just around, well, it's certainly not going to hurt. And if it adds something positive and it makes you feel good and it makes your family feel good, then do it. Give yourself that love and support. Create that environment that makes you feel the way you want to feel. And I, and I think what you eat and how you practice and how you care for yourself is all part of that. Absolutely. In traditional Chinese medicine, they actually they totally associate what the mom is eating with whether or not her breast milk is going to come in. So after, after this, this postpartum experience, anytime anybody had low breast milk, they would, you know, reach out to me. And a lot of times I'd say like, well, what are you eating? And they're like, uh, whatever I can, with, <laughs> you know, just snacking here and there. And it's like, okay, well, focus on eating. <laughs> and a lot of times that alone, um, I did notice, you know, had an improvement. Um, however, in Western medicine, we don't see it that way. And a lot of times, uh, you know, and and absolutely, like what you said, Esther, the the breast milk comes in naturally. That's that's part of you know what is what is supposed to happen, um, and the body knows how to do it naturally. Um, but sometimes, if I, I I do believe that if we don't support the body properly, that's where we end up with problems because not everybody's breast milk comes in, you know. Right, and I I also agree with you very deeply, Kelly, that. Um, you know, a mom may do a superlative job in the in the biological sense of uh, producing milk and healing and recovering in those first um, 40 days without support. However, I think this perspective that's so wise 
um, in Chinese medicine and around the world, really, uh, typically in Asian traditions, is that it doesn't mean, even when things go well, it doesn't mean that the mom's body isn't overtaxed if it isn't well-nourished. And that that overtaxation um, will in the end, be become erosive to the mother's well-being in her lifetime. And this is what I just love about the kinds of work that we do and the kinds of information we try to give women, which is you count in this process. <laughs> you know, you, you're, you get to have this life and you get to go on from this life and taking care of being taken care of well and deeply in the fourth trimester serves you not only in the immediate present, but for the rest of your life. As you said, Kelly, at the beginning, and I really, I'm always thrilled when I hear that <laughs> uh, reiterated. So thank you. Do you want to tell us um, uh, any more about your fourth trimester? Um, and then, of course, we can't wait to hear about vaginal steaming. <laughs> or you're calling it peri-steaming. Is that correct? Is that what you call it? Yeah, or... I call it I call it vaginal steaming because that's you know what mm -hmm. the term that that we're familiar with. But on, in mm -hmm. in the I I am working on professionalizing the practice, and in the prof like the professional term that I use for it is peristeam hydrotherapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean technically we're talking about the perineum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not exactly. going up inside the va the vagina, uh, which is a an internal uh, organ. Uh, yeah. Well, the so only good. the only last thing that I would add, you know, just to go from what you were saying, Esther, is that you know, for moms to remember that they count, you know, after giving birth, mm -hmm. um, is that actually I did receive some pushback um, when I was plant when I was pregnant and I was planning my postpartum month. Um, there were some people behind my back that were whispering that I was so selfish. <laughs> I was so selfish because I was focused oh. on, on funding my postpartum month. And, um, you know, so <laughs> some of my family members were whispering this. And then, you know, of course, another family member, you know, let me know. <laughs> And um, <laughs> it was really a moment for me yeah. when I had to sit there and think about it. Like, am I being selfish? And, no. Um, and it's something that I heard somebody else mention as well when they were planning for a postpartum month, you know, which is just like, oh, you know, like, I don't want people to think I'm so selfish or so self-involved. So it's mm. just something to be aware of and to think about ahead of the time that there might be that perception. And that's a somehow a strange a strange perception that we have in the west but it might happen you know well not only that but i think that those as with so many of these sort of anti-humane um orientations in our world we we do have a way if we've grown up in this culture of having internalized that like oh i i i don't matter and I'm going to be okay. And that's just how it's going to be. So there isn't any need for uh, looking ahead to my well-being. Yeah, I, I just, um, I really think it's interesting that, um, 
you know, there's that question, like, why are you being so selfish? And I think the best answer in some ways is, well, because someday I might be a grandmother. If, you know, if I'm having a child now, I need to survive long enough to support my child when they have a child. Nice. <laughs> oh my gosh. Please don't anyone feel selfish. Taking care of yourself is the best thing you can do for your baby because it's, it's yeah. not an either or choice. You can take care of your baby mm -mm. and take care of yourself. And in fact, take care of yourself because it means that if you sleep and you eat and you do the things that you need to do at a, at a base level, then, and you recover well, it means you have more energy and, um, resources available for your infant absolutely so please, please no one listening feel selfish no, you're, not. you're doing you're doing the right thing you're being the opposite of selfish you're being giving exactly yeah not only that you would have been praised for spending thousands of dollars on your wedding which is one day of your life right um and being relative to the world rather indulgent for one day and yet this is going to be, you know, many, many, many years of your life that you're now a parent that needs to be in reasonable shape for, for the project of parenting. So mm -hmm. what is vaginal steaming? Okay, vaginal steaming is an ancient practice. It has been um, practiced all over the entire world um, in all over Africa, all over Africa. I found it all over Asia, the Middle East, um, in different parts of Europe. I found it in Italy, Sweden, and Germany, um, in different Native American tribes, in both the Navajo tribe and the Lakota tribe, as well as down in Guatemala with the Mayans. It's something that's practiced in Suriname, uh, in the Caribbean, in Haiti, and Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago, and then it's also practiced in the South Pacific. So literally everywhere in the world where you can find women, vaginal steaming is practiced. And um, what it is, is it's something that um, it, it's traditionally midwives used to administer for postpartum care. So after a woman would have a baby, she would do a vaginal steam. So vaginal steaming, the way it looks like um, is uh, there's basically going to be a pot with, um, with herbs in it. And heated, so there's um, um, steam rising. And that the mother um, can sit on a steam seat, you know, with a hole in it or on a birthing chair. Or sometimes they'll have her squat and somebody will support her. And so she sits there and lets the steam, you know, go between the legs to the perineum. And um, depending on how long she sits there, steam actually will rise and, um, and help to pull all of the like postpartum matter and lochia down out of the uterus. In addition, the steam also helps to tighten the skin so that it tightens the vaginal canal back up. And it also helps to push the uterus and the organs back up into place because rising steam pushes things up. And so it um, is an ideal, ideal uh, treatment for postpartum recovery to actually um, help the body go back to its pre-pregnancy state. So people do steaming whether or not they have a baby just for general health. Is that right? Yes. So 
in okay so i found steaming in i think like 26 countries at this point and every single one of those places um steaming is used for postpartum care and about half of those places it's also used for gynecological care um, whether it's a preventative practice. So in South Korea, for example, I talked to a South Korean woman who told me they use it once a month after the period is over. And it's just used, you know, to help make sure that, you know, there's nothing left over in, you know, in the uterus and that um, and that no problems arise. And so what the woman told me is if you do your your steam, your vaginal steam once a month after the period, you'll never have to, you know, have any problems. That's, you know, that's what she told me. So um, she said, but you can also use it if there's any problems. The first thing you should do is do a vaginal steaming, you know, so that's that was, you know, um, it's commonly used in Korea for uh, as a preventative measure and then also to treat gynecological disorders. And so there are um, there are other places where it's also used for gynecological disorders. But what I um, in my research, what I, I always know, you know, what it's used for, when it's used and which herbs are used. And what I found is that the postpartum use of vaginal steaming is universal. And also that it's most commonly found used among midwives and usually traditional midwives. So, um, so it's not, it's not a common practice in the West and, um, and uh, in certain places, everybody in the country does it. So, for example, the country of Palau, everyone does it. Cambodia, everybody does it. <laughs> and then you've got Korea and, and, them, and Haiti. Those are some of the places in the world where it's actually just common practice. <laughs> um, and everybody knows about it and everybody does it. But then there's other places some women know about it. About, um, but, uh, it, but it is practiced there. So, for example, so for example, in Mexico, in Mexico, it's practiced, practiced, but it's practiced in the indigenous communities by the traditional midwives. So, the general population doesn't necessarily know about it, but the traditional midwives that still um, are in practice in the indigenous communities are aware of the practice and they're using it. I have midwifery training, and I. Uh, have been a postpartum doula for a very long time. And uh, this is relatively new to me. I, I of course, um, provide my clients with sits baths where they get into the bathtub and um, enjoy a warm, shallow bath for their uh, vulva and, um, you know, their whole perineal area. Uh, but only this year did I start hearing about this steaming approach, mm-hmm. which sounds kind of lovely, I have to say, kind of fun and, and different. Uh, but I do have a couple of questions. So, for instance, um, are there specific remedies for, say, um, uh, perineal tears? Are there specific remedies whether these are herbal or um tech technical um for hemorrhoids are there specific remedies for urethritis or um uh you know if a mom's having any kind of uh, urinary incontinence so can you speak to those specifics so Around the world, there are different um, herbal remedies, like usually the herbs are going to vary by location because there are different uh, plants that grow everywhere in the world. 
So um, my company, I make an herbal blend that is for postpartum use. And so the herbs included and necessary for postpartum recovery, um, for example, if you have a tear, um, you're going to want some herbs that are going to help to disinfect that tear. You don't want it to get infected and it's going to help it, you know, um, as long as it's clean, it's going to, it's going to heal up quickly. Right. So, um, so I include disinfecting herbs in there, um, in case there's any tears. And that's also helpful for when there are stitches as well. Um, and then for hemorrhoids, hemorrhoids happen, um, the woman can use the the steaming for hemorrhoids. And in fact, they work really quickly to help resolve postpartum hemorrhoids. And so what the woman does is she has to tilt back and let the steam hit the rectum. And um, I include herbs in the blend that help to tighten the skin and help to reduce skin swelling. And those are the herbs that help to resolve those postpartum hemorrhoids. And then as far as incontinence, so... um, Really, the, the best thing to do is to do, um, in, in, my, in my opinion, the best thing to do is to do um, a, a, a postpartum steam protocol and to do it for 30 days in a row. So with my first ba- uh, baby, I was able to do the, the postpartum steaming for 30 days in a row. And with my second, I wasn't. There were a couple, you know, things that got in the way. And I noticed a huge difference in the recovery when I was able to do that, those 30 days of steaming back to back. And my body went entirely back to its pre-pregnancy state. And one of the interesting, you know, moments was when the midwife came and checked my, came to do a checkup after a week. And she said, um, she, she felt around and she, she said, oh my gosh, she says, your uterus is, is back down to its normal size. She says, your uterus is the size that it should be four weeks from now. And I was like, yeah, well, I was like, I've been doing vaginal steaming. I don't know if that, you know, has, has something to do with it, but, um, yeah, but I, so I believe, I believe nice. what, you know, mm-hmm. helping the tightening the vaginal canal and getting the uterus, getting all of the lochia to come out of the uterus, uh, which happens a lot quicker than without the steaming. So like, for example, I didn't have any lochia after, I think it was after my fifth steam. I started steaming the day after giving birth. So like within the first, within the first week after giving birth, I didn't have, you know, a drop of Lokia after that. Define what Lokia is in case anyone sure, doesn't the, know. It's the, that happens after you, you have a baby. So women, so women have to wear menstrual pads because there's blood and other, you know, uh, that's matter that still clean. And so, and so, um, so that's referred to as Lokia. So uh, Lokia is, uh, it's common for it to last for four to six weeks. Um, when I was doing the postpartum steaming, you know, when I did the first steam, there was lochia that actually came out, you know, into the pot and then the second day as well. So every day for the first couple days, uh, for the first few steams, lochia was coming out. But after that, there was no more lochia coming out. And, um, and then I still did see some spotting of lochia for a couple of days. And then after the fifth steam, I didn't have any lochia anymore at all. So, um, so I think that what, what's happening is you, you pull that lochia out of there and then the uterus is able to go back to its size as well as I think that the herbs, um, you know, are helpful in getting that to go back down to its size. And then also all the circulation that comes to the area, you know, is also, you know, providing that, that therapy. And so, um, and then in addition to that, um, you know, I had really bad swelling and, um, I had really bad swelling. So I wasn't even able to identify my body after I gave birth. <laughs> like I just didn't even know what was what. 
and I did have prolapse. My, um, my cervix was all the way down, um, you know, almost coming out. And that steaming alone was able to, within a week, push everything back up into its place. So I never ended up having any incontinence, any bladder incontinence, because if all of the organs go back into place, I don't know everything that goes into bladder incontinence, but having all of the organs in place is going to be important um, to preventing that from becoming a problem. And so um, I have worked with with women who have had bladder incontinence and after doing steaming, they've been able to resolve the problem entirely. And this is not even just postpartum, but you know, they've had the problem since after giving birth and then they were able to resolve the problem years later. And um, one thing that I did notice is that these women all, all, all had prolapse was an issue. I'm curious, Kelly, it, it just occurred to me to ask whether you think that there's um, a hormonal component to the herbs and how they're accomplishing the work that they're doing in the body. You know, that's a really good question and one that I definitely want to research further. Um, I recently uh, was doing some research um, about uh, using v- vaginal steaming uh, to recovery from to recover from sexual trauma, mm. and um, there's somebody uh, who I work with, my colleague Marcia Lopez, and I actually learned about vaginal steaming from Marcia, and she's very cutting edge. She uses vaginal steaming for um, recovery uh, from sexual trauma, and so um, she is the one that mentioned. She said, you know, steaming affects the vagus nerve. It stimulates the vagus nerve. So, you know, I was doing some research to write this article. And so I was looking into it. I was like, okay, so the vagus nerve, it's like, how, how does this work? You know? And so what I found out is that the vagus nerve is, um, you know, a nerve, uh, you know, that stretches throughout our body and that when that nerve is stimulated, it can put the body into a, a fight or flight response. Um, and that, in order to, and, and that it's also, um, if it's stimulated, it can help to send the body into um, a relaxed state of trust and love. And the way that it can send the body into the relaxed state is because the nerve, when stimulated, can release oxytocin. So all of this is very interesting. Oxytocin, that's one of the hormones, Mm -hmm. right? So now Mm -hmm. how does the nerve release oxytocin? Because the nerve is... Okay, so I really do need to research this more. I'm not, I'm absolutely not an expert in this area, but the the nerve, I believe, is 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 mainly in the brain, and it has neurotransmitters that go down to the stomach and to other and and throughout, you know, other parts of the body. So, for example, when somebody's nervous and they get butterflies in the stomach, this vagus nerve is is you know the one that's um, you know Involved. responsible. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So then I was like, so how so how does vaginal steaming stimulate it? As as Lopez has had suggested, so found a study um, by the North Northeastern Medical University. Uh, I believe in Ohio, and um, and I'll I'll have to send you guys any corrections to this if I'm if I'm getting any of this wrong. There was a study in 1999. They um, they um, where they discovered that there are um, inputs that communicate directly to the vagus nerve that are along the vaginal canal, in the cervix, and along the uterine walls. There are inputs that communicate directly to 
the vagus nerve. So those, so when those areas are stimulated, it sends neurotransmitters directly up to the brain that can be responsible for releasing oxytocin or that can, yeah. So, okay. So when you put all of that together, if you guys are following me, doing a vaginal Mm -hmm. steam that touches that, you know, that, that where the steam absolutely goes into the vaginal canal and touches the bottom of the cervix, doing a vaginal steam is stimulating the vagus nerve, which can release oxytocin directly. And so oxytocin Mm -hmm. we know is responsible for, um, a mother, the, a, a, a mother's feelings of love and attachment to her baby. And then it's also involved in breast milk production. So now all of this, it has a lot of implications and it needs to be studied further, but it's pretty exciting. And one of the... Well, and oxytocin is the, the hormone that contracts the uterus. So uh, just to add in that thing, but also oxytocin works that way in everyone not just mothers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that, that that connection and bonding uh, happens in the presence of, of oxytocin. So, and it's, um, in, it is also typically, uh, I don't think it's going a, too far off the rails to say that oxytocin is is an anti-anxiety hormone. So Absolutely. you mentioned fight or fight and flight. There's also there's a third um, uh, vagus nerve response or or just um, trauma response, which is freeze, which is what women typically do. Mm. We don't we don't flee and we don't fight. We freeze mm. during uh, stressful circumstances, and and then we hold the trauma in our bodies somatically. And so doing something that addresses that whole central nervous system of trauma response would would potentially be very highly effective. Thank you so much for talking more about that. And that's what I said. I'm not, I, I need to learn more about it. It's just so interesting that it might be able to stimulate that directly. And you know, one, one mm-hmm. of the side effects, um, that I always hear and that, that I've noticed myself with vaginal steaming is women report feeling very relaxed afterwards. People women mm-hmm. say, oh, it's so relaxing. I love doing it. She, I don't know if it's helping with my cramps, but it's just so relaxing. That's usually one of the first things that women report. And then another thing that women report are, are, is also um, feeling uh, aroused, you know, that, they, that, they're, that their libido you know, get stimulated mm-hmm. and that they mm-hmm. feel like that they are enjoy- having more pleasure, you know, when they have a sexual mm-hmm. experience after vaginal steaming. And so those are all things that I, I also understand that oxytocin is going to be, um, you know, a factor. Right. All of these things are also stimulated by breastfeeding, by the way, like all of these things. So, um, <laughs> You know, so it, it's it's a wonderful kind of tandem relationship. And as you're talking about all this, I realize that the sit baths that I do for my moms have essentially accomplished a very similar thing. The only difference is they're not in a squatting position. Mm, mm. They're in a they're in a relaxed back position. Well, sit baths, um, yeah. sit baths are incredible. Six sit baths. Six, ah, so hard to say. Sitz baths are great. And, um, the, but there is one big difference between a sitz bath and a vaginal steam. 
the sitz bath only touches what it touches because the 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 water in that case is not in a steaming state but when a woman is doing the vaginal steaming the steam is rising and so the steam will actually um at first you know the steam is just hitting the perineal area but after a couple minutes, you actually can feel the vaginal canal open and you feel it ascend the vaginal canal. So the steam is able to, you know, again, water in the form of steam is able to reach water with water wood because, um, you know, especially for a postpartum mother where the cervix is open, that steam is actually able to go up into the uterus as long as that cervix is open. So, uh, so steam, so sits baths are wonderful. And the added benefit of doing the steaming is that the steam is able to get further, uh, as far as, you know, getting up into the reproductive organs. On a practical note, how hot is this stuff? Should I be worried? Am I going to get burned? <laughs> yeah, you should if you don't, you know, but it's really important to make sure that it's comfortable. Just like for a, a nice sits bath, you would make sure that it was a comfortable temperature. For the vaginal steam, it would also need to be a comfortable temperature. So, you know, just test the heat beforehand, and just, just like how you would if you're getting into a shower or a bath. Just test it beforehand and make sure that it's comfortable. There's no benefit to it burning you, <laughs> you know, like you don't get more clean in a shower if, if it's scalding hot. You know, you don't, you, you don't, have more benefit with the vaginal steam if it's scalding hot. It's just make sure that it's, you know, a mild, comfortable temperature and that's what's going to be best. Okay. And so tell us more about the practicalities here. Like I'm sure lots of our listeners are hugely interested now in trying this out and making sure that they have the right gear and the right setup. Like I'm sure safety and cleanliness is of the utmost mm -hmm. importance. Mm -hmm. You um, have these products available. Where can they find them? Um, I know we have some a special offer for our listeners as well that I want everyone to take advantage of. Um, tell us more about the product itself and how how someone could get one so that they they aren't trying to use something inappropriate. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so I make vaginal steam saunas, and uh, it's basically it's going to be like a wooden. Uh, box seat you know and it's got a hole in the top and inside um, there's going to be a pot and my package comes with 10 packets of herbs which is um, enough for 10 uh, steam sessions or even 20 if you want to reuse the herbs uh, you can so the entire vaginal steam sauna package um, is available on the steamy chick website www.steamychick.com and i have a special offer for the fourth trimester of listeners which is that uh, if you want to use the coupon code fourth trimester then you will have free shipping for the vaginal steam sauna. And, um, you know, you can do, uh, you know, home setups, but I, they're not always very comfortable. And, you know, there are situations where, um, where it's, you know, women don't really put together something that, um, you know, that works very well. So, um, so I, I, I do, I do think it's a good idea to invest, you know, in the setup. And, um, as far as my company goes, after I did my postpartum steaming, one of my friends came over, you know, to visit me and the baby. And she said, Kelly, what is that witch chair in the corner? <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's my vaginal steam sauna. And she started to tell everybody about it. And that's how I started selling them. And, and, um, I was, you know, at home with my baby and, you know, I was getting these phone calls from people and these text messages from everywhere that wanted these vaginal steam saunas. And I was like, why, why is everybody coming to me for this? And I uh, discovered that there's nowhere that you can buy vaginal steam saunas in the United States. There's nobody that makes them. 
So I did find that, you know, if you're in South Korea, you could buy them. And I think they have some in Indonesia as well. Um, but in the United States, nobody makes them. And so I was like, okay, so this is why everybody's, you know, trying to, you know, trying to get them from me. And so I started making them um, when I was at home with my baby and I founded the company Steamy Chick. And so we're the, I'm the first manufacturer of vaginal steam saunas in the United States. And now, and now there are a couple more, you know, companies, but I'm still the largest. And last month we sold 75 uh, vaginal steam saunas. So it's getting, yeah, it's getting bigger and bigger and it's really exciting. And we have everything that you would need, including um, courses for doulas and midwives and other birth workers that are interested in learning more about vaginal steaming and offering it to their clients. Yeah. That's very exciting. Um, maybe we'll have you come to our doula group, <laughs> do a little, little talk. Um, so here's a question that harkens back to the pre-practicalities um, and business portion. I'm a grandmother who's also post-menopausal. And there were definitely interesting and profound changes to my whole physiology. Um, having gone through the post through the menopausal change. Do you know of um, uses for women beyond the postpartum um, period. You, you touched on that a little bit, but I'd just like you to say another paragraph about once you've given birth, had your baby, made your recovery, if you're still having periods, you could be doing this once a month or if any issues crop up. It sounds like, right, this is a lifelong investment potentially. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, vaginal steaming is good at all different stages of a woman's life. So I think, you know, going back to the beginning, when a woman first has her period, when a girl first has her period, you know, at the menarch, that's a really important time for a woman, for a girl, for us to teach a girl about vaginal steaming and to do a vaginal steam after her first period. That way she knows anytime she ever has any problems arise, she could use it. So it could also be used in case there are menstrual cramps or any disorders that arise, such as fibroids, cysts or endometriosis. Um, I've worked with hundreds of women and there are, uh, you know, dozens of case studies of women that have um, healed their fibroids, their ovarian cysts, their uh, Bartholin cysts, or their fibroids with vaginal steaming. So it's incredible to be as a first level to be able to address any issues that arise. Um, there have also been cases of HPV that have disappeared and even cases of cervical cancer, which is like, you know, it's, it's incredible. We don't know if it was the steaming that caused it to go away, but they went, it went away, you know, and these are the two cases where that has happened. And so, um, so then, uh, you know, postpartum of course is great for fertility. It's wonderful when women are having difficulty conceiving, if there's any brown or black old residue at the beginning or end of the period, if there are any clots, then that might be a sign that the woman hasn't been getting her full, you know, uterine cleanse during her period and there might be old residue in there and that can become an issue for um for the fetus to implant and for the pregnancy to carry out and be successful so if there's any old residue in there black or brown blood then that would be a good time for a woman to steam um, for her fertility purposes and then of course we talked you know in depth about postpartum and then we get to our 
our menopause and postmenopause. So the first woman that I sold a vaginal steam sauna to, she was in her 40s and she all of a sudden was having these heavy periods that were 10 days long with huge clots and you know along with all of it came really bad cramps and headaches and so I was listening to her and she said that these periods dated back to her last birth which was you know I think it had been about four years so I you know was thinking about I said you know it sounds like you didn't get it sounds like there's a lot of old residue in there and perhaps if you get all that old residue out it will get rid of the cramps which was my thought. She did her steaming before her period. She steamed for three nights in a row. And her next period was only five days long with only medium flow. She didn't have that heavy flow anymore. And she still had clots, but she actually had more clots than she had ever had before. Well, her very next period was completely clean. There was no clots in there. So what had, what really happens is, you know, when a woman does the first steaming, it pulls out all of that old residue and she gets a cleanse. And then the second and third period will usually be entirely clean. And so this woman, you know, she had been told by her doctor and her friends and her neighbors, that's just what you're going to have to go through from menopause. And Don't yet, get me started, was, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> and she was able to do something to help it. So that was really great. That okay, is so fantastic. That, I love that. Yeah, and so she was a she was a birth educator. And so she started to just tell everybody about it. And really, I, I have to credit her with the whole reason why I have a successful company now. Because she just <laughs> couldn't stop telling people about her experience with vaginal steaming. And then all of her, everybody was coming to me to, to buy their own steam sauna. And I was like, no, you can just use hers and they're like no no I want my own <laughs> you know so that's that's why I have a company you know yeah. but anyhow so that's that's during that's one of the issues that women do face during menopause and that they don't get very much help for with and yeah. it really you know it really it really concerns me and bothers me that women aren't getting help that heavy bleeding is dangerous for the body yeah. you know that's not a normal period and that's not what you know, a woman has to live through for, and some, sometimes women are being told, you know, that th that's just what they're going to have to deal with for 10 years, you know, mm -hmm. and that's just, it's just, you know, it's unfortunate. So vaginal steaming has been, has shown success in that. And I use herbs in my blend that help to um, regulate bleeding, that help to reduce heavy bleeding. And I believe mm -hmm. that, that those are important in that. But I also think it's just the matter of get old residue because what happens is happens is the, the the arteries are trying to flush the uterus clean they're like oh there's there's gunk in there just send some more blood flush it out you know because mm -hmm. the blood is actually a flushing agent and so yeah. once you can get that old residue out of there um the 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 body is no longer sending the signal that it needs to flush more and also the cramps are the same thing the cramps are happening because the uterus is like oh it's something stuck let me contract mm -hmm. and help it to come out you know, and so both of those things will go away once that old residue is cleared out, which is huge. So now let's get on to postmenopause. After a woman is no longer having her period, um, sometimes women have phantom period symptoms. They report that it's like they get their period every month. They get, you know, the swollen breasts, they can get cramping and they get emotional, but then there's just no period, you know. And, and so some women report that for phantom cramping, absolutely, when a woman finished her period, there was old residue left in there. So 
her so her body is still trying to send a cleanse that the uterus or send the message that her uterus needs a cleanse and the and the uterus is still cramping and trying to get it out so all of the women with um, phantom period symptoms that have done vaginal steaming have been able to get rid of those phantom period symptoms for good so that's that's great and so some of these women you know they again they haven't had period in you know 10 20 years some of them but they'll steam and uh, and and brown stuff comes out or clots come out and then after that stuff comes out, they're good. <laughs> so it's been, you know, it's been really good because, again, those women aren't getting much help. Um, they are told that they could do a hysterectomy if they don't want those issues anymore, which is a pretty, Ugh. you know, serious procedure, <laughs> you know, just to get rid of yeah. some crampy. You, you know what I mean? So It's a very serious procedure and it takes a very long time to recover from. Yeah. And doctors don't always tell that to women. They don't always, um, they don't always mention, you know, how, how serious it is. And so some women judge because they think that's the only option. Okay. Also postmenopause, women still get infections. And that's something that I haven't really talked about. Vaginal steaming helps to get rid of bacterial vaginosis and yeast infections. So it can help um, with a woman that is postmenopause as well. And then also, I haven't studied UTIs too much, but I have heard a lot of reports from my customers that it's resolved their UTIs as well. So, um, and then well, if oh, go- if it has the effect, sorry, just to interrupt again, um, <laughs> if it has the effect of helping moisturize and uh, reinforce vaginal tissue so that it's more sturdy and healthy and it has a hormonal effect that also reinforces that Um, then for postmenopausal women who for instance are still having sex that's going to be more comfortable that urethra is not going to be as um irritable if there's uh, a kind of just a baseline level of tissue health supporting around there and um <laughs> very you good know, i'm just thinking of the possibilities yeah, kelly yeah. because um you know that's actually the incontinence is a hormonal issue often mm, okay. and so if if you're using a blend that helps you know, support the work that the, the ovaries just aren't doing anymore, Yeah. <laughs> then you're helping the body with this. Um, you, you know, so that, that makes me um, wonder, Kelly, just I have one last question, and I know we're going to need to wrap up pretty soon. But it sounds like, and you mentioned this very early on, but I wanted to come back around to it. It sounds like Depending on the issue a woman might be experiencing, she may want to be working with different herbal uh, blends. Um, And what's your recommendation for a woman who might be, uh, you know, I mean, I know you could probably get a one size fits all Mm -hmm. blend and use it once a month and that sounds great. But Mm -hmm. what if a woman thought, well, gee, I'm, I'm really working with a chronic um, condition or what's become chronic um, incontinence. Maybe I, I need to be working with specific set of herbs. Is that possible? Yeah, yeah. For incontinence, um, the best herbs that I would recommend are the Steamy Chick Gentle Herbs because they have really, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, they're going to help to to get all of the the organs back into place and to tighten everything up. Mm-hmm. And that can be 
really useful for incontinence. Then for my postmenopause women, I have a blend. I call mm -hmm. them our, my hot chicks. <laughs> I call it. I call right the postmenopause crowd the hot chicks. Yeah, and I have a cooling <laughs> herb blend <laughs> to keep them cool because often that heat and that dryness becomes an issue, and it makes sex painful. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. um, the cooling herbs are the ones for the the postmenopause, and then um, and and they uh, I'll just warn anybody who's postmenopausal it, it wakes up the libido like a lion. <laughs> this is what the women have reported back. <laughs> and then for postpartum, let's get back to our postpartum moms. Um, the best blend are the cleansing herbs because they're gonna disinfect any tears and they're gonna help to clean out the uterus as quickly as possible. I love this information. I've learned so much. And I, I just wish I knew about this sooner. My goodness. Me too. Oh, it's such a neat thing. I'm going to start doing it. I hope all of our listeners start doing it. Um, definitely um, go order your steam sauna. Use the code fourth trimester, all one word, and get free shipping. That's such a nice offer. Thank you so much, Kelly, um, for giving that to our of listeners course. as an exclusive offer. And <clears throat> Um, I have to just say, I was in Las Vegas last weekend, and I was talking about this upcoming episode. <laughs> but what stays in Las Vegas. Yeah, exactly. Here's something that came back from Las Vegas. I was talking to this couple, and they were just laughing because they, like, they're like, vaginal steaming, that sounds so interesting and cool and blah, blah, blah. But she said, like, men, do men do this? And I said, oh, I don't think so, but I have to, I'm just going to pass on the question. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, I have heard that men do it, but I myself have never been able to get a man to do it. Okay. So I, they're just not interested. They say, they just make all kinds of jokes. They're like, am I going to get a vagina if I do this? Blah, blah, blah. You know, oh my but gosh. the reality is that because men uh, suffer from hemorrhoids, that it can help with hemorrhoids. And then <gasps> also, um, yeah. I heard a claim in, in Korea I was looking at this, um, they have this vaginal steam sauna made out of red clay with infrared lights. It costs like a thousand dollars, but I was, <laughs> I was looking at it and, um, and specifically on the product, um, you know, like user guide, it was saying that, uh, men and women have used it to, to heal colon cancer. Or to treat colon cancer. Wow. Yeah, you know, and, and they're like a little bit less, uh, like they probably don't have as many laws as we do in this country about being able <laughs> to claim whether or not something cures cancer. But yeah, specifically, they said it cures colon, colon cancer. <laughs> so, Well, and think about prostate. Yes, yes. Hello. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's the prostate is right above the perineum in men, right? Like if you were Right. To massage their perineum, you're basically massaging into the prostate. I think just getting men to squat <laughs> could be helpful. <laughs> let alone once a month would be great. But just think how just think like every month when you're having your period, you know, you could have a, a, a little steamy session together where you just sit and chat and <laughs> You know, wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that just change our relationships, at least heterosexual ones, um, a lot? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You could do a little spot. You, just, you could do a mud mask while you're sitting there. I'm telling you. Chit-chat. Yes. Yeah, you could do each other's toenails. Oh, my gosh. So fun. It would be great. Okay. Steamychick.com. Go order your sauna. 
Uh, order one for your friend who's expecting a baby. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Parents, order one for your daughters and your sons at this point. Yeah. That sounds like a really fun thing for men too. <laughs> um, so we're all about it. Thank you so much, Kelly, for being a guest on our program. Yes. Thank you so much Wonderful. for having me, ladies. We, we loved it. Thank you so much. Thank you. We have fourthtrimesterpodcast.com, our site where you can go and sign up for our newsletter and sponsor us and find all of our social connections. So please go and do all of that. And we'll talk to you next time. See you later. Bye-bye. You can subscribe to this podcast in order to hear more from us. Thank you for listening, everyone. And I hope you'll join us next time on the fourth trimester. The theme music on this podcast was created by Sean Trott. Hear more at soundcloud.com slash Sean Trott. Special thanks to my true loves, my husband, Ben, daughter, Penelope, and baby girl, Evelyn. Don't forget to share the fourth trimester podcast with any new and expecting parents. I'm Sarah Trott. Goodbye for now.